0: sobering words from President Biden. Warning about Putin's nuclear threat as his forces lose ground in Ukraine, calling back the most dangerous period of the Cold War. Senior White House correspondent Mary Bruce starts us off. Good morning, Mary. George, good morning. Well, this was a grim and striking warning from the President Biden with his starkest comments yet about the risk of nuclear conflict. The President overnight saying that Putin's recent threats to use nuclear weapons amount to the most serious prospect of Armageddon since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis. Biden saying he knows Putin well and saying he is not joking when he talks about potential use of nuclear weapons or biological chemical weapons as we have seen russia struggle in its fight with ukraine putin growing increasingly desperate has been ramping up his saber rattling we have seen him say he will use all available means to protect russia he says he is not bluffing and he says that the u.s created the precedent for using nuclear weapons now I'm told that the White House sees no indication that Putin is preparing to use nuclear weapons imminently, but this administration, this White House, this president have made it crystal clear there will be consequences if Russia uses nuclear weapons in Ukraine. The president overnight saying the big question now is what is Putin's off-ramp? George, how does he find a way out of this? That is
1: the big question right now. It may just be a threat, but it is serious. You have to take it seriously. Mary Bruce, thanks very much.
0: Hey there, GMA fans, Robin Roberts here. Thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Lots of great stuff here. So go on, click the subscribe button right over right over here to get more of awesome videos and content from GMA every day, anytime. We thank you for watching, and we'll see you in the morning on GMA.
1: That was last Friday's segment from Good Morning America and ABC Television of... Comments from President Joe Biden on the state of affairs in the world in relation to Russia and Ukraine. The most frightening comments made by any president in several, several years about the possibility of a thermonuclear war breaking out. Comments of President Joe Biden made saying that we are in the worst crisis since the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis. Hello, my name is Keith Thews, and welcome to the second season of information on the war in Ukraine. This is the Ukraine War Report, the Nuclear Crisis Edition 2022. In our podcast series, we are going to be focusing on developments over in Ukraine uh, in relation to Russia and NATO and the United States. We're going to keep you informed as best as we can. And God forbid something should happen. We will provide you the latest safety information to keep you safe. If, and I pray it doesn't, a uh, nuclear war break out. But we keep our prayers and we keep our faith. And the good Lord will see us through any times at all. So, Let's take a look at what happened on season one, when most people were focusing on developments in Ukraine and fearful that it could escalate into World War III back then. Back in the late winter, early spring, if you will, President Putin from Russia amassed a number of thousands of troops along the Ukraine border. He also... Talked to several world leaders, all of whom told him that sanctions would be issued if he decided to go ahead and invade Ukraine unnecessarily. President Putin also made agreements with the country of Belarus and even staged a nuclear war exercise, a practice round over in the country of of Belarus, including transporting nuclear weapons over into that country to be used. For NATO and the Allies in the United States, thousands and thousands and millions and millions of dollars were pledged in numerous times to supply Ukraine with weaponry in order to fight Russia on their own borders. Since Ukraine is not a member of NATO, Article 5 of the agreement of NATO cannot be used, so we gave them all of the weapons and finance and so on. We also again threatened sanctions on Russia should an invasion occur, and unfortunately it did. President Putin delivered a horrific, frightening speech, which is featured in its entirety on Season 1, Episode 1. And then he proceeded to have the Russians begin invading the country on the Eastern Front, and then finally the entire country midweek. And these are covered in the podcast. In response, the United States and its allies levied numerous sanctions on Russia, in order to try to cripple its economy. Numerous businesses pulled out of being in the country of Russia. Also inflation soared, gas prices with it, even as frightening as $5.30 plus cents in Michiana. And all these stories are, are covered in season one of our of our podcast. So where are we at now? Russia has lost numerous battles with the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians have fought valiantly and have been taken ground. But the Russians have left behind countless war deaths and horrific ones, I might add. They are going to be prosecuted for war crimes and... We've been seeing the stories on TV and hearing the stories on the radio and the talk shows. It's it's not pretty, folks, not at all. In the early rounds of the battle with Ukraine, Russia and President Putin and his friends have threatened England and NATO, United States, with the use of nuclear weapons, and even proceeded to send ballistic missile submarines out to sea shortly into the unprovoked war that they have with Ukraine. But lately, with the losses that have been occurring over there with the Russians, President Putin has decided to call up a number of folks into a draft, first time since World War II, and made much more stronger threats to NATO, United States, and to using nuclear weapons, tactical nuclear weapons, in Ukraine on this unprovoked, uninvited war. Weapons of mass destruction that one cannot imagine, and if they were used, just picture this coronavirus would be a cakewalk compared to the use of nuclear weapons anywhere as far as the death count and injury count is concerned. And so here we are, again, wondering what is President Putin going to do next? Will he feel so backed up in a corner he needs to keep his pride going, that he needs to directly use nuclear weapons on a country that... Has no nuclear weapons currently and hasn't had any since the end of the Cold War, which ended in 1991. United States is definitely worried about this. The the world is too. And President Biden has told President Putin and the Russian friends of his and the military, don't, don't, don't try it as he's mentioned on his interview with 60 Minutes. So the world stands currently in waiting, wondering what's going to happen. And if a nuclear war breaks out, what's it going to be like? And so in our podcast series, we're going to keep you informed of developments on the tension, the crisis, we're going to be asking you to please pray for the world and pray for Putin to exercise restraint whatever he can to not explode one nuclear weapon over in any country at all especially Ukraine nor Poland nor anything because that's the whole ball game folks well in this first podcast I want to give you a taste of what it was like when we were eyeball to eyeball with the Soviet Union in 1962, this very month. And so our focus, history if you will, will be the entire speech by President John Kennedy in 1962 that he delivered to the world. So let's hear it.
2: October 22nd, 1962, President John F. Kennedy broadcast a special message to the nation from his office in the White House. Here is President Kennedy as he delivered that message bearing on recent events in Cuba. Good evening, my fellow citizens. This government, as promised, has maintained the closest surveillance of the Soviet military buildup on the island of Cuba. Within the past week, unmistakable evidence has established the fact that a series of offensive missile sites is now in preparation on that imprisoned island. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western hemisphere. Upon receiving the first preliminary hard information of this nature last Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., I directed that our surveillance be stepped up. And having now confirmed and completed our evaluation of the evidence and our decision on a course of action, this government feels obliged to report this new crisis to you in fullest detail. The characteristic of these new missile sites indicate two distinct types of installations. Several of them include medium-range ballistic missiles capable of carrying a nuclear warhead for a distance of more than 1,000 nautical miles. Each of these missiles, in short, is capable of striking Washington, D.C., the Panama Canal, Cape Canaveral, Mexico City, or any other city in the southeastern part of the United States, in Central America, or in the Caribbean area. Additional sites not yet completed appear to be designed for intermediate-range ballistic missiles, capable of traveling more than twice as far, and thus capable of striking most of the major cities in the Western Hemisphere, ranging as far north as Hudson's Bay, Canada, and as far south as Lima, Peru. In addition, jet bombers, capable of carrying nuclear weapons are now being uncrated and assembled in Cuba, while the necessary air bases are being prepared. This urgent transformation of Cuba into an important strategic base by the presence of these large, long-range and clearly offensive weapons of sudden mass destruction constitutes an explicit threat to the peace and security of all the Americas. In flagrant and deliberate defiance, of the Rio Pact of 1947, the traditions of this nation and hemisphere, the joint resolution of the 87th Congress, the charter of the United Nations, and my own public warnings to the Soviets on September 4th and 13th. This action also contradicts the repeated assurances of Soviet spokesmen, both publicly and privately delivered, that the arms build up in Cuba would retain its original defensive character, and that the Soviet Union had no need or desire to station strategic missiles on the territory of any other nation. The size of this undertaking makes clear that it has been planned for some months. Yet only last month, month after I had made clear the distinction between any introduction of ground-to-ground missiles and the existence of defensive anti-aircraft missiles The Soviet government publicly stated on September 11th that, and I quote, the armaments and military equipment sent to Cuba are designed exclusively for defensive purposes, unquote. That there is, and I quote the Soviet government, there is no need for the Soviet government to shift its weapons for a retaliatory blow to any other country, for instance, Cuba, unquote. And that, and I quote the government, the Soviet Union, has so powerful rockets to carry these nuclear warheads that there is no need to search for sites for them beyond the boundaries of the Soviet Union." Unquote. That statement was false. Only last Thursday, as evidence of this rapid offensive buildup was already in my hand, Soviet Foreign Minister Gromyko told me in my office that he was instructed to make it clear once again, as he said his government had already done, that Soviet assistance to Cuba, and I quote, pursued solely the purpose of contributing to the defense capabilities of Cuba, unquote. That, and I quote him, training by Soviet specialists of Cuban nationals in handling defensive armaments was by no means offensive. And that if it were otherwise, Mr. Gromyko went on, the Soviet government would never become involved in rendering such assistance, unquote. That statement also was false. Neither the United States of America, nor the world community of nations can tolerate deliberate deception and offensive threats on the part of any nation, large or small. We no longer live in a world where only the actual firing of weapons represents a sufficient challenge to a nation's security to constitute maximum peril. Nuclear weapons are so destructive and ballistic missiles are so swift that any substantially increased possibility of their use or any sudden change in their deployment may well be regarded as a definite threat to peace. For many years both the Soviet Union and the United States recognizing this fact have deployed strategic nuclear weapons with great care, never upsetting the precarious status quo which ensured that these weapons would not be used in the absence of some vital challenge. Our own strategic missiles have never been transferred to the territory of any other nation under a cloak of secrecy and deception. And our history, unlike that of the Soviets since the end of World War II, demonstrates that we have no desire to dominate or conquer any other nation or impose our system upon its people nevertheless American citizens have become adjusted to living daily on the bullseye of Soviet missiles located inside the USSR or in submarines in that sense missiles in Cuba add to an already clear and present danger although it should be noted the nations of Latin America have never previously been subjected to a potential nuclear threat but this secret swift extraordinary buildup of communist missiles in an area well known to have a special and historical relationship to the United States and the nations of the Western Hemisphere, in violation of Soviet assurances and in defiance of American and hemispheric policy, this sudden clandestine decision to station strategic weapons for the first time outside of Soviet soil is a deliberately provocative An unjustified change in the status quo which cannot be accepted by this country if our courage and our commitments are ever to be trusted again by either friend or foe the 1930s taught us a clear lesson aggressive conduct if allowed to go unchecked and unchallenged ultimately leads to war this nation is opposed to war we are also true to our word Our unswerving objective, therefore, must be to prevent the use of these missiles against this or any other country, and to secure their withdrawal or elimination from the Western Hemisphere. Our policy has been one of patience and restraint, as befits a peaceful and powerful nation which leads a worldwide alliance. We have been determined not to be diverted from our central concerns by mere irritants, And fanatics but now further action is required and it is underway and these actions may only be the beginning we will not prematurely or unnecessarily risk the course of worldwide nuclear war in which even the fruits of victory would be ashes in our mouth but neither will we shrink from that risk at any time it must be faced acting therefore in the defense of our own security and of the entire Western Hemisphere, and under the authority entrusted to me by the Constitution, as endorsed by the resolution of the Congress, I have directed that the following initial steps be taken immediately. First, to halt this offensive buildup, a strict quarantine on all offensive military equipment under shipment to Cuba is being initiated. All ships of any kind bound for Cuba, from whatever nation or port, will, if found to contain cargoes of offensive weapons, be turned back. This quarantine will be extended, if needed, to other types of cargo and carriers. We are not at this time, however, denying the necessities of life, as the Soviets attempted to do in their Berlin blockade of 1948. Second, I have directed the continued and increased close surveillance of Cuba and its military build-up the foreign ministers of the OAS, in their communique of October 6, rejected secrecy on such matters in this hemisphere. Should these offensive military preparations continue, thus increasing the threat to the hemisphere, further action will be justified. I have directed the armed forces to prepare for any eventualities. And I trust that in the interest of both the Cuban people and the Soviet technicians at the sites, the hazards to all concerned of continuing this threat will be recognized. Third, it shall be the policy of this nation to regard any nuclear missile launched from Cuba against any nation in the Western Hemisphere as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States, requiring a full retaliatory response upon the Soviet Union. Fourth, as a necessary military precaution I have reinforced our base at Guantanamo, evacuated today the dependence of our personnel there, and ordered additional military units to be st- on a standby alert basis. Fifth, we are calling tonight for an immediate meeting of the Organization of Consultation under the Organization of American States. To consider this threat to hemispheric security and to invoke Article 6 and 8 of the Rio Treaty in support of all necessary action. The United Nations Charter allows for regional security arrangements, and the nations of this hemisphere decided long ago against the military presence of outside powers. Our other allies around the world have also been alerted. Sixth, under the Charter of the United Nations, we are asking tonight that an emergency meeting of the Security Council be convoked without delay to take action against this latest Soviet threat to world peace. Our resolution will call for the prompt dismantling and withdrawal of all offensive weapons in Cuba under the supervision of UN observers before the quarantine can be lifted. Seventh and finally, I call upon Chairman Khrushchev to halt and eliminate this clandestine, reckless, and provocative threat to world peace and to stable relations between our two nations. I call upon him further to abandon this course of world domination and to join in an historic effort to end the perilous arms race and to transform the history of man. He has an opportunity now to move the world back from the abyss of destruction by returning to his government's own words that it had no need to station missiles outside its own territory and withdrawing these weapons from Cuba by refraining from any action which will widen or deepen the present crisis and then by participating in a search for peaceful and permanent solutions. This nation is prepared to present its case against the Soviet threat to peace and our own proposals for a peaceful world at any time and in any forum, in the OAS, in the United Nations or in any other meeting that could be useful without limiting our freedom of action. We have in the past made strenuous efforts to limit the spread of nuclear weapons. We have proposed the elimination of all arms and military bases in a fair and effective disarmament treaty. We are prepared to discuss new proposals for the removal of tensions on both sides, including the possibilities of a genuinely independent Cuba, free to determine its own destiny. We have no wish to war with the Soviet Union, For we are a peaceful people, who desire to live in peace with all other peoples. But it is difficult to settle, or even discuss these problems in an atmosphere of intimidation. That is why this latest Soviet threat, or any other threat, which is made either independently, or in response to our actions this week, must and will be met with determination. Any hostile move anywhere in the world against the safety and freedom of peoples to whom we are committed, including in particular the brave people of West Berlin, will be met by whatever action is needed. Finally, I want to say a few words to the captive people of Cuba, to whom this speech is being directly carried by special radio facilities. I speak to you as a friend, as one who knows of your deep attachment to your fatherland, as one who shares your aspirations for liberty, and justice for all. And I have watched and the American people have watched with deep sorrow how your nationalist revolution was betrayed and how your fatherland fell under foreign domination. Now your leaders are no longer Cuban leaders inspired by Cuban ideals. They are puppets and agents of an international conspiracy which has turned Cuba against your friends and neighbors in the Americas and turned it into the first Latin American country to become a target for nuclear war, the first Latin American country to have these weapons on its soil. These new weapons are not in your interest. They contribute nothing to your peace and well-being. They can only undermine it. But this country has no wish to cause you to suffer or to impose any system upon you. We know that your lives and land are being used as pawns by those who deny your freedom. Many times in the past, the Cuban people have risen to throw out tyrants who destroyed their liberty. And I have no doubt that most Cubans today look forward to the time when they will be truly free, free from foreign domination, free to choose their own leaders, free to select their own system, free to own their own land, free to speak, and write and worship without fear or degradation. And then shall Cuba be welcomed back to the society of free nations and to the associations of this hemisphere. My fellow citizens, let no one doubt that this is a difficult and dangerous effort on which we have set out. No one can foresee precisely what course it will take or what course or casualties will be incurred. Many months of sacrifice and self-discipline lie ahead. Months in which both our patience and our will will be tested. Months in which many threats and denunciations will keep us aware of our dangers. But the greatest danger of all would be to do nothing. The path we have chosen for the present is full of hazards, as all paths are. But it is the one most consistent with our character and courage as a nation and our commitments around the world. The cost of freedom is always high, but Americans have always paid it. And one path we shall never choose, and that is the path of surrender or submission. Our goal is not the victory of might, but the vindication of right. Not peace at the expense of freedom, but both peace and freedom here in this hemisphere. And we hope around the world, God willing, that goal will be achieved. Thank you, and good night.
1: That was President John Kennedy back in this month in October of 1962, delivering that ominous message of what was happening on the island of Cuba through the Soviet Union. And a warning to the world and a warning to the Soviets of what would happen if they actually tried a missile strike. As we wrap up Our first episode of season two, the 2022 nuclear crisis. I just ask that you pray for the world, pray for peace, pray for civility. And also to let you know that in each of season two, we're going to close out with a song. It is a grand hymn called Near My God to Thee. Now, people are probably wondering, why am I choosing that? Well, if you remember the Titanic, and this is recorded in history, that as the ship went down, a group of musicians, while the ship was going down at sea, decided to play music to comfort those who were about to die. And if you remember the last vestiges on the movie Titanic, you will see That for people playing instruments and playing this grand old hymn, Near My God to Thee. But in context of doomsday and in context of nuclear war, CNN decided to pick up on the idea. When Ted Turner made a pledge for CNN back in 1980, he said that CNN would be on through on on to the end of the world And so he prepared a video Which was leaked about ten years or so ago ten years That had a military band from West Point Academy standing and playing near my God to thee and that video was planned to have been played as the last thing anybody would see on CNN. And so, we leave you with the military plan Near My God to Thee.